As we stand in this room today, would you hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 25. Luke 21, beginning in verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken." Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life that the day may come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Our good and our holy God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you on this first Sunday in Advent that we begin with a word of hope and the promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus to set things right. We pray, Lord, as we begin this season that you would speak a word into our bones, to our hearts, to our souls. We're hungry for your word. And so we come expectantly. We come asking you, God, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask you, Lord, to give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will that you would make our hands strong, that our work in this earth would be like your own. And God, we pray that a word of love and life and hope and peace and joy would be found on our tongues. God, this is our prayer as a family of faith in the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray together saying, Amen. Amen. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch, therefore, and pray. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch, therefore, and pray. On this first Sunday of Advent, this is our theme. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch, therefore, 
and pray. Let's say it together, you repeating after me. Take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch, therefore, and pray. Lest your hearts be weighed down. You know, the heavy heart is a chronic condition. Go anywhere in the world. Sit among any group of people. Dine with the wealthy. Eat with the poor. Shuffle through Walmart with the middle class. And you'll find among all men and women heavy hearts. Lest your hearts be weighed down. One of the great recurring themes and dreams, even at night, is the heart weighing us down, is the life weighing us down, succumbing to our own, our own weight, being snatched down by our own life. Years ago, we rented a couple of lake houses a beautiful state park in Clark County. It was a multi-generational deal. My grandparents were there. Uh, my cousins were there. My aunt and uncle, mom and dad, my brothers, we were all there. A couple of lake houses on the backside of the lake. And uh, it was just a beautiful time with family, simple things. You know, we'd catch sunfish and we'd go hiking and we'd play on the playgrounds and we'd play ball and we'd chunk frisbees and all of that. And one of the things we did is that we rented a paddle boat. This was a big deal because the cousins got to become sailors. So our um, dad and uncle went and we went to the main office there at the state park and we rented one of these aluminum paddle boats. You've seen them. They got steering wheels and a little steamer boat things. You know, we felt like we were, we were Huck Finn going down the river. They rented that deal, and my cousins and I were going to, that was our job, was to take it back from the office to the cabins, across the lake. We were the trusted sailors. We were going to get to do it. My dad and my uncle, they just take the truck back around, but we were to take it across the lake. So, man, we took off like sailors. We were going. Those paddles were churning. We were pedaling our feet. My cousin Dan, being the oldest, was steering and calling all of the shots. His younger brother's older than me, but he was calling the rest of the shots. And I was the youngest on that vessel. I wasn't used to being the youngest since I was the oldest of three boys. I was unfamiliar with this pecking order. <laughs> and we're, we're rounding the bend, you know, coming past the little sloughs, and we see our families up at the cabins. And my cousins began to dare me to swim the rest of the way. And it started off very gently. I dare you, man, to jump in, swim the rest of the way. I could let that one pass. Then they upped the ante. My cousin Drew went first. I double dog dare you to jump off and swim the rest of the way. They kept paddling. They stopped paddling when they got to the triple dog dare. As you know from the Christmas story, you can't let the triple dog dare pass. It's a matter of honor. So when they got to the triple dog dare, I jumped in. I've always loved the water. I jumped in like a Labrador retriever, and I swam toward the docks. My dad laughed. My mother was not pleased. 
And, uh, and my mother registered being unpleased in the most profound way. She could just look at you and you knew. And, uh, and she dressed me down good when I got up on that pier. What I didn't know, but I learned later, is that she'd been having recurring dreams about her boys drowning and not being able to save them, about them being weighed down and not being able to pull them up. It's a common, common dream, the dream of being weighed down. Maybe you've had it. I won't ask you to show me your hands, but maybe you've had it. Maybe it wasn't water. Maybe it's quicksand. Uh, the television shows and movies I watched as a child, I thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger deal in my life. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have an episode of Gilligan's Island without Marianne getting into quicksand. <laughs> it was something else. But maybe you've dreamed about that, going down. It's a big deal, this idea of going down. It's a common anxiety, and Jesus is dealing with these fears of life. And he gives them two ways it manifests. He says, listen, I don't want your hearts to be weighed down by carousing and cares. He gave them two categories, carousing and cares. A few years ago, Meredith and I were at a marriage enrichment event. There's a big a room full of people. There were these counselors from Pepperdine that came in to help people uh, enrich their marriages. We were invited and we went. It was a good experience. And one of the things they did there, these, these, these psychologists from Pepperdine, is that they helped us discern what our, our sort of flavor was when it came to dealing with the stressors of life. They said there's best some basic postures to how you deal with all of the stuff that presses down on you, all of the worries and the troubles of life. Some people, they said, are escapers. They like to escape. Jesus would call them carousers. He said, lest the drunkenness and carousing gets you pulled away. Some people just want to check out from the stress. They want, they want Netflix for 48 hours. They want shopping sprees. They want something to make the voices go away. Sometimes you think about a little squirrel on a treadmill in your brain. Sometimes you want that squirrel to take a vacation. And people who like to escape will do anything to put that squirrel to sleep. Jesus says, watch the carousing. He said, but then there's those who, who, who deal with it in a different way. And they, these Pepperdine psychologists called it control. Some people decide they're going to deal with the stressors of life by controlling everything they can possibly control and then a truckload more. They control all in their environment. They try to control all in your environment. They forget that God is God and they are not. One strategy is very different than the other strategy, but both of these strategies come from the same place. They come from the weight of the heart in the world. As it is, they're coping strategies for a weighted heart. A heart that pulls us down. Jesus said, take heed of yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. You ever felt like your heart was heavy? I was a terrible Boy Scout. I didn't make it must past the tenderfoot. It wasn't that I didn't like the outdoors. I didn't like all of the order. Uh, 
the uniforms kind of got me too. I didn't, I didn't care for anyone. I know some of you guys are Eagle Scouts. I love you guys. You make America great. I wasn't one of you. But I was in long enough to go to Boy Scout camp one time, Camp Bonacci. It was a great week of camp. Uh, I got to be with my buddies. We stayed in tents. It rained all the time, and other times it rained. The dust was flying. So it was just basically a big mud bowl in the middle of a hot Mississippi summer. They gave us a little sheet of paper on the first day they were there, and they said, pick, pick what you want to do. And there's all these activities, all these merit badges you could go for, all these classes you could take, just a great menu of, of items. And I looked down, and I saw one on there that just, just was me. It was survival skills. I said, I want, if, if I'm going to spend a week out here in the woods with all these guys, and I have an opportunity to learn survival skills. That's what I ought to do. And maybe it was based on this experience with my mom at the camping trip with our family at that picnic and the look on her face. I don't know. But I wanted to learn some survival skills specifically as it related to the water at Boy Scout camp. And you know what they taught us? They taught us how to make personal flotation devices out of our blue jeans. It was the most amazing thing. We just went down there to the, to the waterfront in our bathing suits, and they gave us gigantic pants, the kind of pants I could wear today. They gave us gigantic pants, and they said, all right, guys, we're going to teach you how to turn these pants into personal flotation devices. And they showed us the moves, and they showed us the tricks, and they showed us how to swing the pants over your head, fill them with air, and they showed them how to tie the legs around your neck. And you know what? We learned how to do it. If you don't believe me, there are hundreds of YouTube videos on how to do this very thing. Some of you are already looking them up. I can see you doing it now. <laughs> By the end of the day, you will learn how to do this, and it just may save your life one day, and you'll thank me. <laughs> After that, Lazarus, I want you tithing real good. You know what I'm saying? But when we learned how to make these personal flotation devices. After a while, we went from struggling to get these gigantic blue jeans off of our skinny little frames to resting our heads on them with the sun shining on our faces, bobbing around in the lake at Camp Bonacci because we'd learned a better way. We had lost the weight and there was outside foreign help in the form of that air in those britches legs. And there in the sun, we went from struggle and weight and being pulled under by all that was around us to legs kicking and faces warming and survival. And here's a word for you, thrival, some basic play and flourishing. Jesus said, lest your hearts be weighed down. He wanted to give us a way to move from that weight to that help from the outside, from going down to surviving and even flourishing. On this first Sunday of Advent, this is the tone that rings out. It's a tone of hope. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch. Therefore, and pray. 
In this little theme, Jesus gives us three things to think about. He begins with this, take heed to yourselves. Now, we have to be careful about this one, particularly if you're the one who gives yourself toward control. This idea of taking heed to yourself is not a matter of self-absorption or navel-gazing or thinking only of yourself and your situation. It is certainly not some Gnostic quest to create yourself and present it as a gift to the world. That creates anxiety. It doesn't relieve it. That weighs you down. It doesn't lighten your load. The light of the gospel shines on the who God made you to be. And so to take heed to yourself is not to make yourself. To take heed to yourself is none of that. It is not self-absorption. A.J. Conyers said self-absorption not only is the death of virtue, but also the end of humor. You can't walk lightly through the world if you think only of yourself. And taking heed of yourself is not thinking only of yourself. It is not being self-absorbed. A few years ago, I was the guest preacher at a music minister's conference. I felt like a dog at a cat convention. Everywhere I went, they were talking about pastors and preachers, and I just felt out of place. But I had a wonderful time, and the most wonderful part about it was hearing the congregational singing in the chapel when you have all those trained musicians in there. And one of the features of this, this conference is they had music ministers who had retired, but they'd spend large portions of a ministry with high-profile pastors, big-name preachers, people you would know, every single last one of them you would know. Uh, and they, they asked the panel of, of music ministers questions, a series of questions, with the idea that if those guys could work with those big egos, the rest of us could work with schmoes like me. So they began to ask questions. And they asked, what was it like to walk into a room with so-and-so? And one guy said, I'll go first. He said, man, it was, it was something. When you walked in the room with fill in the blank, you all would know his name. It was like all of the oxygen was just sucked out of the room. And every eye turned to that person. And it got heavy. There was a guy named O.D. Hall who for many years worked with Jess Moody. And he said, he was the second to speak, and he said, I would like to gratefully say today I had nearly the opposite experience. He said, every time I walked into a room with Jess Moody, it was like he filled it with laughing gas, and people began to be free and joyful, and there was a lightness to the room. He said, Jess took what he did very seriously, but himself not that seriously at all. To take heed to yourself is not to think of yourself too highly. It's not to think of yourself all the time. It's not to create yourself and offer yourself as a gift to the world. It is to recognize that you have been called by God into a fantastic story. And it's His. It's to recognize that, that we're not in this little hermetically sealed imminent frame but we're part of God's great story beginning in creation moving to consummation and in the middle God's doing work with people and in concrete lives in places in times in, in, in people's events and experiences God is at work and God calls us into his life to take heed to yourself is to recognize that God is God and God invites us into his very life and this makes all the difference. This makes all the difference. P.T. Forsyth said, 
if within us we find nothing over us, we, can, we succumb to what is around us. When we take heed of ourselves, we look and see in our life if there is something in the inner recesses of our life that comes from outside of us, that comes from God. Because if that alien help is not there, we succumb to the things that are around us. And our hearts grow heavy. And we carouse or we control one way or the other, but we don't do it as Christ would have us to do it. Which is to live aided and abetted by His grace, for His glory, by His mercy. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts grow heavy. Therefore, watch. That's the second thing Jesus said. He said, watch. Now, watching is not paranoia. It's not putting on an aluminum full hat and freaking out about everything. To watch, according to Jesus, is to view all of life through the lens of his word. Verse 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Malcolm Talbert said, with this statement, Jesus' words are invested with the finality and the authority of Torah. The word of Christ, the word of God. And when we look at our life through the lens of the word of Christ, we are alert and awake and alive to who we are and who God is and how we're to live in this earth. Jesus had been training us to trust. Jesus, as the Messiah, would die a death. They never dreamed a Messiah would die. He told them it was going to happen. Jesus walked into the temple courts, and this just happened earlier in this text, and he looks around at that magnificent building, and here the Messiah says, this will all fall. They longed for one who would destroy Israel's enemies. He came to eradicate their sin and through the light of the gospel overcome their enemies with grace. He told them it was going to happen. And so when he gave the great promise of his coming, when his last words in the gospels were, Behold, I come, he was training them to watch to view all of life through the lens of the gospel. You see, our five senses just do not give us the sense of reality. Not enough. Oh, to touch, to smell, to taste, to hear, these are helpful things. And we get a piece of what it means to be alive and to be created in the image of God. But beyond that, we don't have enough. We don't live by bread alone but by the word. And we can't live by sight alone, but by faith. And we live by the bread that is the word of the Lord because our senses just don't give us a deep enough sense of reality. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be heavy. Therefore, watch and pray. That last one brings it home. 
Because it is not enough to be in the know. You have to know the Lord. You see, God offers us more than just a plan. God offers us himself. Martin Buber talked about the vitality of an I-thou relationship with God. And Jesus says that we can live with him in such a way that we know him and are known by him. And this intimacy is borne out in a life of prayer. Worship, what we do week by week, trains us in the rhythms of watching and praying, in the language of intimacy, and in the word of Christ. Some of the songs that we sing are about God, and we sing them to one another. We sing, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. We sing of this citadel of hope and God to one another to remind us that we don't live by bread alone, but by the word of Christ. We sing to one another, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he has given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us in Christ, we sing to one another, give thanks. To remind each other, we do not live by bread alone, but by the word of the Lord. We sing, oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. We sing that to each other. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. We sing to one another of Jesus who Calvary did go. His love for mankind to show. What he did there gave hope to despair. We sing, oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. We sing this to each other. To remind each other we don't live by bread alone, but by the bread of Christ. And we sing to God. We sing together to God to train ourselves in the language of prayer. We sing, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares to you. We pray out these songs together to remind ourselves of our deepest, our deepest desires below the, the control and below the carousing, our deep bedrock desire to be rooted in Christ. So we sing together. And we pray the Psalms. And we learn to pray the word together. Uh, we were reminded a few weeks ago of 2 Timothy 1.7 that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And when we come to the word at this place, we can go home to our private places of prayer and we can pray things like this. God, I'm afraid, but that didn't come from you. God, you gave me you gave me a heart of, of love. Help me to love. You gave me a heart of power. Help me to serve. You gave me a sound mind. Give me rest in my spirit. We go from the word to our places of prayer and we speak out our hearts to God. 
And there we find the light that comes from the gospel that lightens our heart's load. Take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch, therefore, and pray. For just a second, let's take heed to ourselves. Is your heart heavy? If my math is right, a good chunk of yours, hearts are heavy. Will you watch? Will you wake up and see your life through the grid of the gospel? The great C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but by it I see everything else. That's watching. Will you view your circumstances, the one that are pulling you under? Will you view your your sorrows, will you view your challenges and your passions and your hungers and your wants? Will you view those through the light of the word of Christ? Are you praying? I was driving down Highway 6 the other day, a family for a basketball game went through Clifton. Little little sign on the side of the road, quote, said, We need to talk. God. <laughs> kind of a silly little sign, but it did something for me when I saw it. Reminded me that God does want to speak with us and be with us. Because he loves us. He wants us to open up our heart to him. To cast our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. To offer him our heart. That he might bear its load. (laughs) Take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts grow heavy. Watch. Therefore. And pray. Let's stand and pray now. Our good and our holy God, I lift a prayer today for all of us as we all know the weight of a heavy heart, it being a chronic human condition. Lord, I pray for anyone who's feeling that particularly strongly today. I pray, Lord, you'd visit them with your mercy and your kindness, that your spirit would move into our lives and bring healing. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room, Lord, who has come to the place where they have surrendered their hearts to you. They want to follow you. They want to be baptized. They want to proclaim that you are their Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would come as we sing. Lord, I pray for anyone who who has come to the place through your leadership that this is the church for them to serve and to worship. Lord, I thank you for putting your church together. I pray, Lord, anyone here, if that's them today, that they would come. Lord, anyone here who's just carrying a burden, I pray, Lord, they'd leave it here today, knowing that you care for us. 
Do your work in our hearts and in our lives as we sing to you. Pray in Christ's name.